Welcome into the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. He is Jay Kaplan. I am Mike Meltzer, and we are eight days away right now, hopefully, technically, from opening day against the Seattle Mariners. The closer we get, the more hope that uh, I get about this season, at the very least starting. But we're not going to focus on anything really about COVID-19 here, because I know we've we've probably driven people crazy with that. We're going to talk about just some of the main issues going on with the baseball team right now as they start the 2020 season in eight days. And Jake, first of all, hello. Second of all... Hi, we've got a, a change in the starting rotation for that Seattle for that Seattle series. Yeah. Do you think Brent Strom and or Dusty Baker listen to the podcast? I'm going um, to go with like five percent. Yeah, I'm going to go with like zero percent. But <laughs> um, Zach Greinke's not, you know, this is all fluid as everything is in the uh, age of COVID-19. But um, as Dusty Baker su- said on Wednesday, uh, that, you know, because Zach Greinke's throwing program was thrown off by the pitchers not being able to work out on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Uh, he He's not going to start the second game of the season. He's going to start either the third, fourth, or fifth game of the season. Uh, they feel like McCullers, who's really been throwing, you know, straight through since February almost, it seems like. Um, <laughs> it is, seems like... Is, it seems like it, Lance is just desperate to go because he's been out for a year and a half. Yeah, I don't, can't blame him. Yep. Um, so he, it sounds like McCullers is going to go game two. And that actually makes sense if you look at how they've been doing it because Verlander and McCullers have been throwing intra-squad on the same days. So yep. um, Verlander, I, I, McCullers is going to start the Monday exhibition in Kansas City, which would line him up for Saturday uh, against the Mariners. And Josh James is going to start the Tuesday exhibition in Kansas City, which would line him up for either Sunday or Monday against the Mariners. Um, or did I have that right with the days? Yeah, I do have that right. You do, Sunday yes. Sunday and Monday. And so they have a decision to make on where to slot in Grenke. And I'm starting to think that they listened to the podcast and might have liked my take about <laughs> how they should drop him to the fifth game to face the Dodgers. I, I guess that is a I guess that is technically a possibility. I guess we, we circle back to the what is more important, the divisional games in a 60-game season or uh, trying to beat the Dodgers in those two games as well? Um, I'm not worried about this one per se because it sounds like it, it sounds like from a Zach Granke standpoint, Jake, that it's just a matter of lining him up on the correct days. I mean, it sounds like I, mean, I think he threw like the what, the 67-pitch bullpen that Brent Strom mentioned, and we'll get to Brent a little bit later in, in the episode here. Uh, but it, it sounds like Granke is ready. It's just a question of lining him up, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, 67 pitches is like a monster bullpen. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually they're like 25 pitches. So it's pretty insane. So, but, um, yeah, uh, I think I'm not even so sure that it, this wouldn't have been how they did it anyway. Okay. Based on what I just mentioned with McCullers pitching the same days as Verlander recently, like that kind of suggests that maybe they were leaning this way anyway. Um, I don't know exactly if there's any method to the madness or it's just how it worked out. I mean, it doesn't really matter you know, uh, rotation orders. If every guy's going to make 12 starts, um, you know, it matters in the playoffs, obviously, but um, yeah. And then, you know, you're looking at, so you're looking at Framber Valdez as the fifth right now. And so, you know, who would you rather face the Dodgers, Framber Valdez or Zach Greinke? <laughs> I think that one's an easy answer. I do want to hit on James a little bit because I think when we recorded Monday, he had not come yet. I think if I'm Correct. right on that. So he came, 
do you sense, Jake, that, okay, Josh James is now there. He's obviously throwing. He'll pitch the second exhibition game against Kansas City on the road on Tuesday. Is the sense that, okay, James is here, and now he's ready to just be in the rotation, and he's good to go? Yeah, it sounds like it. it sound, from talking to him and Brent Strom, it, it sounds like there's really no hesitation there. They think he's he's built up to like four innings already, and he's been throwing in Florida. I mean, he was he was gone because he was awaiting uh, the birth of his second child. Ah, um, so he's been throwing. Uh, he just hasn't been throwing at Minute Maid. So sounds like all systems go with him. Um, you know, he looked really good in the spring training. So I'm really curious to see kind of which version. Um, the Astros get of Josh James I think he's kind of like the wild card of the rotation in a lot of ways yeah I think so too Josh has always been kind of a tantalizing prospect for them especially since he figured out what the sleep apnea situation the last couple of years and you know his velocity has gone up a lot you've seen some highs you've seen some lows but when you look at him you feel like this is a guy who is oozing with potential but we've only really seen him in the relief role for the last year and a half. Now this is like a real opportunity for him in a shortened season. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say because the expectations are so high for Verlander, then Granke, then McCullers, Josh James is a true wild card of the rotation. I agree with that. Yeah, he's interesting. Um, I don't know. Like he, he always, in talking to him over the last couple of years, he always struck me as having more of like a starter's mindset than a reliever's mindset. I think he was comfortable in the bullpen, but it's it's a completely different ball game when you switch to that role. Um, well, what's what to you, Jake, is the difference between like when you talk to a guy, a starter's mentality versus a reliever's? He just, I mean, he's always been a starter like his whole life, and I think it's just it's just it's hard to get used to that mindset of you could pitch any day or you have your routine of every five days, um, and I I think just. He always just seemed to be a little bit more, um, you know, inclined to be the starter. I think everyone is really, yeah. most everyone. But um, the, I mean, the question is, will he throw enough strikes? And I'm not sure about that. And does he ha- is his slider good enough? Because his fastball is good enough and his changeup's good enough. But you you need you need three pitches in most cases to be a starter, unless you're like Tyler Glass now. Um, so you know, the start the the slider is the big question. The the st- strike throwing and um, you know, the Astros do have the luxury of like, if it doesn't work out, he can be their seventh inning guy. Like yeah. he, it's a, it's a good fallback option or a fallback plan there, but, um, you know, he's going to be like a prominent member of the season of the team this season and like determine a lot, you know, of, of what goes, if they go, if things go well, or if things go wrong, like, you know, he could be a, a, a big storyline this year. So the four, the, the first four is pretty well established. Verlander, Granke, McCullers, although in a different order to start, Josh James. The fifth one is what leads to the question that you brought up to me that we're going to discuss, Jake, which is, does this team have enough pitching? And that's not just in the rotation. It's almost, you know, more the bullpen right now because, you know, and you've mentioned this a number of times the last couple of months not a lot of teams have Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke at the top of the rotation. Like, they've got question marks at the top, the middle, the back of the rotation. That, that's that's what most baseball teams are dealing with at, at this level. The Astros have more first-world problems. But no Jose Urquidy for now. Again, we can't speculate for why he's not there yet. But the point is, it's been a week and a half or so, and he has not been there. 
And Urquidy, especially based on the way that he ended last season pitching as well as he was, I think a lot of people have kind of penciled him in and felt like, hey, he would be a solid back of the rotation option. Now, that's a question mark. Do you sense, you mentioned Framber Valdez likely to start the fifth game of the season or just be the fifth starter, no matter if that's if it's in that exact order or not. So you think it's going to be Valdez because Austin Pruitt right now is dealing with an injury, right? Yeah, I don't really know who else it could be. Um, yeah, I don't know either. Pruitt hasn't thrown a bullpen session yet, and it's July 16th as we speak. Um, so clearly he's not ready. Um, and yeah, I think, I think Valdez is probably... Um, a, he, you know, Valdez is probably a better option anyway because Pruitt has done both, and Valdez is not really a reliever. Like he, he's, I mean, he, he's an inconsistent starter to begin with. But like when he has come out of the pen, it hasn't really, you know, looked like he's like comfortable. Um, I don't think he's used to it. I don't like he never struck me as like a lefty specialist type. He's he's like a depth starter in my opinion. So I think he's he's the heavy front runner. Cause I just, there's not really an alternative unless they made a trade or something um, for that, for that last rotation spot. And then it'll be interesting to see one, how he does because he has the stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, throwing strikes and then not letting innings unravel on him, which he seems to do. And then, yeah, if he, if he's good and our comes back, you know, that'll be interesting to see how they maneuver that. Do you do six man? Do you mix, mix and match around the top three? Um, do you bump Valdez to the pen? I don't know. Um, because Urquidy's like, it, it, it's funny how we think of him now, right? Because as you mentioned, that game four World Series start was so dominant. It changed on everything. The, on the biggest stage, but it's also five innings. Yeah. And we have a much bigger sample size of Urquidy to draw from two. Like, he still has, like, he's a, I think he's a big leaguer for sure. Like, yes. I wrote this the other day. Like, I don't really think of him as a prospect anymore, but like, what caliber big leaguer I still I think there's still a lot of um, unknown yeah I, I would say would would it be fair to say with Urquidy just based on what we've seen so far the upside is probably solid middle of the rotation starter and the floor would be eh do you really want this guy in the rotation would, would that be like a fair assessment do you think of the of the ceiling and the floor I think the floor is like long reliever okay because if you if you think back like that's kind of what he was doing late last year before they were just desperate, right? Like they didn't plan to have him start any games in the postseason. Oh yeah. They were planning to have him hit his innings cap, you know, in the regular season. Um, And he wasn't supposed to like pitch, like it was supposed to be done. Um, But they were just so desperate when, when Aaron Sanchez got hurt and they just didn't have anyone else. Valdez was bad. And so like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, he's still also somewhat of a wild card and, you know, this this much is clear. If he does come back or when he does come back, um, they would benefit as a as a pitching staff because it would just push every reliever down one rung. Yes. And right now, you know, we're going to talk about this more here, but like the bullpen for me is the is the big question mark coming into the season. I think there's a lot of, you know, all of a sudden in a lot of ways, uncertainty when, you know, Joe Smith has not reported and Dusty Baker said on Wednesday they're they're basically operating as if they're not going to have him. Um, Austin Pruitt, as we mentioned, isn't isn't ready. Um, Brad Peacock uh, hasn't thrown in a game yet. Roberto Osuna hasn't thrown in a game yet. Ryan Presley had a blister that that uh, kept him out of his last live BP. 
So, you know, it sounds like at least Osuna and Presley will be ready for opening day. But beyond that, there's beyond those two, there is not a lot of depth. Well, think about it this way. The top two guys in the bullpen the last year and a half, like since the midpoint of 2018, have been obviously Osuna and Presley. And then I would say, especially into last season, towards the end, the second tier, guys who were getting crucial outs late in the season, especially in the postseason, Will Harris and Joe Smith. If Joe Smith is not there, Will Harris is obviously with the Nationals now. You know, all of a sudden, who are they relying on right now to get those big outs, especially early in this 60-game truncated season, you know, to get outs maybe even in the fifth or sixth inning? I mean, are you relying on Cy Sneed and Chris Davinsky, who has not been the same pitcher the last couple of years? Like, I know they added a couple guys uh, to the 60-man roster within the last 48 hours, but I have no clue if those guys are just... They're just guys. Yeah, they're just guys. Like, I, I don't know who they are. I don't know what they can contribute. I, I don't either, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally fair. I mean, just think about, like, Will Harris out. Joe Smith may not be here in 2020. Like, who are the guys? Am I supposed to trust Joe Biagini to get to go and, and get big outs? I feel like looking at this, the best hope would be Peacock getting healthy because we've seen, you know, Peacock have some big performances for them the last three or four years. And Chris Davinsky, who once upon a time was a very, well, I, w- I would say a plus reliever. Yeah, I think Brian Abreu is the X factor. Brian Abreu, that's, um, yeah, that's the name I was missing. I think that, I, I agree with you. That's the X factor. I feel like I write about him a lot too, because I think he is potentially going to be really good for them. Um, and now, like, if you look on paper to start the year, he might be like their seventh inning guy. He might be the multi-inning relief weapon that bridges the gap between the starter and the back end of the bullpen. Yeah. Um, you know, the big thing they lose with Will Harris, I mean, first of all, he was automatic last year, right? Like, um, yes, for most of the year, like he would come in and you could just like not pay attention because he was going to get three outs. Um, and he was also their go-to guy against left-handed hitters. So they're missing that now. And Abreu could be that guy. You know, he has the two power breaking balls and those should play against left-handed hitters. Um, but Peacock's more of like, you know, the Joe Smith replacement in, in some ways because the Joe Smith is, is like the righty specialist. Right. And so Peacock's kind can kind of be that if he's healthy, um, you know, Tavinsky's always been, you know, more of a reverse split guy because of his changeup. Yeah. He's better against lefties. But as you said, he hasn't been that, that, you know, he's been below average since what the second half of 2018. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of questions there, um, you know, and, and I think there's going to be some, some surprises that make the opening day roster just because they need bodies and, whether that's like Christian Javier or Anoli Paredes uh, or Blake Taylor, like those guys are like some of those types of guys are going to have to make the roster for the first two weeks. And maybe someone like Javier steps up and becomes a guy. I don't know. There's, there's going to be opportunities for, for some younger guys because their depth is so depleted. Well, it definitely sounds Jake, like again, 30 man roster right now for the major league games because of COVID-19 and the truncated 60 game season they're going to have to have slightly more they're, they're going to have to have more pitching on that 30 man than maybe they were anticipating let's say 2 or 3 weeks ago because of these questions that we're discussing right now right i mean they got i mean they just have to have some arms back there just to make sure they make it through these games early on yeah i i think 16 pitchers on the opening day roster that sounds my right prediction. um 
like I would say 17, but like there's literally no one left. <laughs> like you, <laughs> yeah. you map out the it's hard enough to get to 16 if 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 Pruitt's not ready. Um, and that's including Peacock, who we're not sure about. Um, so yeah, it's you know, it's it's it makes you think like they probably should have kept Jared Hughes, um, because they he would have been like one of their fifth, oh, yeah. top five relievers. Um so yeah, I, I don't know. I think the bullpen, I don't know if we're talking about it enough, like how uncertain it is right now. Well, let's bottom line this. I get the sense in talking to you, Jake, right now that you don't think they have enough pitching right now, particularly in the bullpen. I think they have enough rotation. I don't think they have enough bullpen. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think they might if they all, if everyone comes back to full health, have enough at both. But that's a tall ask. Especially year, now. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so, basically what it boils down to is they're going to, I'm just looking at this right now. So what you mentioned, Brian Abreu is the X factor. I agree with you. And at least on that one, people can be more hopeful because that's somebody who has real promise. So, okay, at least that one you can see working out positively. But otherwise, they're also relying on Cy Sneed, Joe Biagini, Chris Davinsky to improve and get better to what he was, let's say, in 2017, first half of 18. Brad Peacock to get healthy and stay healthy. I mean, these are real question marks among like four or five guys they're relying on. And oh, by the way, the closer of the team is, you know, basically throwing long toss right now. And we're supposed to be like, you know, yep, this is all completely fine. Oh, soon right. fine in eight days. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, like when you're thinking about relievers, they, you know, they're, they're getting ready to pitch one inning. So it's not a huge ask to, to build up quickly. Fair point. To get to one inning. But yeah, I, I think like if you think about it, like, okay, when they face the Angels, um, usually they would bring in Joe Smith or Brad Peacock to face, you know, the big right-handed hitters, Trout uh, and now Rendon, right? Yeah. Um, Smith has the, the sinker slider. Peacock has the big sweeping slider that plays really well against righties. Say that you don't have either of those guys the first time you play the Angels this year. Who are you bringing in to face Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon? Who am I bringing in to face Trout or Rendon? It's, it's, it's the sixth inning with two outs and a runner on second. The way I think about baseball, Jake, I would try to bring in Ryan Presley in that situation. D- depending on the score of the game and see if he can give me the sixth and the seventh. That, that would be my thought process right now because nobody else right now in this bullpen do I actually trust. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to lead to longer hooks or longer leashes for the starters, right? Like, are we going to see Dusty Baker stick with McCullers and Grinky longer than AJ Hinch would have or had in the past? Yeah. Um, you know, especially in Grinky, like Grinky had a lot of short hooks last year. Um, I thought, which I I didn't think it was wrong, but like uh, it was just what it was. Um, you know, you could argue that the Game Seven World Series one was was wrong, but. That's a whole nother podcast episode. Um, <laughs> yes. But in general, he didn't pitch super deep into games with the Astros last year. So you maybe see him pitch deeper. McCullers pitch deeper. Because, um, I mean, there's not going to be that many, like, cakewalks for them. You know, they, they obviously play the Mariners 10 times. But other than that, like, you know, they play the Giants, what, three times? Yep. Like, the rest of their opponents are formidable. So um, they're going to have to find a way to, to mix and match and get get these right-handed hitters out because it seems like they have they have the weapons in the bullpen for the left-handed hitters but but I'm I'm skeptical of if they have enough to get Matt Chapman and Marcus Simeon and Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon 
I'll I'll put it this way. This is more of a global thought that I have as far as where the Astros compare to the rest of the league. I think right now, because of not having Urquidy, not having Jordan Alvarez, the possible loss all season of Joe Smith, I think this team is clearly third behind the Dodgers and, and the Yankees the way that I'm looking at things. That's in a completely normal season. The reason why, from an Astros fan standpoint, you might have more hope is that this season, because of everything going on, is going to have way more of a, what's the word I'm looking for, like a variability. Um, it's going to be, it's just going to be, it's just going to be stranger with the sample shoot? size. Say that again? A crapshoot? Yeah, a crapshoot, exactly. Yeah, there's some, there's some exact word that I'm looking for that I still can't figure out. But yeah, there, there's going to be just enough change this season to where I'm kind of in a wait and see mode. But the longer we talk about this, the more it just becomes apparent that it's not the same roster that they had in 2019. It's just not as good of a team. Now, that's on paper. Maybe things change because maybe they're able to stick by their protocols, stay relatively healthy, knock on wood, and the lineup is so dominant that it makes up for some of these things that we're talking about right now. But to me, I just think if you look at, you know, the A's concern me a lot in the AL West, and I would just say big picture, I just think that the Yankees and the Astro, the Yankees and the Dodgers, given where they are in their life cycle, like they probably have fewer question marks a week before the season than the Astros do right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, the A's are are really interesting. I, I you know, at some point we'll have uh, the Athletics A's writer Alex Coffey on to talk more about them because I've been digging in a little bit more to their roster as I get ready for opening day and like. The rotation's a little bit better than I think I realized. Yeah. Um, and their bullpen's always good, it seems like. Um, I don't know. I think it could be like a neck and neck division race, especially because how short the season is. Like, I think over a 162, the Astros' depth in the lineup would have shown a lot more than it's going to in a 60 game season. Um, and I don't know. I think, I think, I think it could be a real, like, if, you know, presuming they play all 60 games and, and everything works out from, the, from that standpoint, like, I think it could be like a, an actual really close division race. I'm sure that our audience might hate me for saying this, but do you feel like the A's are almost going to become America's team <laughs> if if the division race is tight for these 60 games? I mean, probably, right? Everyone, you know, Astros are America's, uh, or baseball's villain, at least. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see that. Um, That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, also, like, the Rangers and Angels could be right there too. Like I, I the Rangers rotation is really good if Corey Kluber is Corey Kluber. Yes, and the, the Rangers, the Rangers, the Angels, to, the Angels can't pitch, but they can hit. Yeah, the Rangers to me are a team that is a classic. Like in a sixty-game season, I could see them really pushing the Astros and/or the A's for the division because of what they have with their top two or three pitchers. Like, I, I could see them taking advantage of having to only go two months instead of, you know, five. Yeah, I don't I like their whole rotation, honestly. Like, I, think, I don't know how they're going to line it up, but Corey Kluber, if he's good, which is a big F. I mean, the last time I saw him at Minimate, he was he was a shell of himself. Yeah. Um, Lance Lynn, Mike Miner, who were who were two like top 10 pitchers last year. Um, not sure if that's repeatable, but I think they're good. And then Jordan Lyles, old old friend yeah. of the Astros who has like really good stuff and no one ever talks about him um, and was really good in the second half with the Brewers last year. I think he could be good. And I forget who their, their fifth and who, who their depth is, but like, 
I don't know. They're 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 interesting to me as a as a sleeper in the division to to watch out for. I think it's going to be like you know, presuming this all works out and they can actually play. Like I think the AL West is going to be fascinating. I think it will be. It, it is actually refreshing. Like for the last couple of minutes, I've just I've forgotten about the virus <laughs> for the, for the first time in a while. I'm like, God, it's nice to just talk with you about what could actually happen because you have one very good team in the Astros, one up-and-coming team that's been very good the last couple of years in the A's, and then you have a couple of other interesting teams in the Angels and the Rangers with some new you know, acquisitions in the division from a Rondon uh, and Kluber standpoint, which is going to be interesting. And for a moment there, I've forgotten about everything going on right now. Yeah, I didn't, but I'm glad that you did. Um, you know, we should all have those moments, right? Just we to- should. Yes, because I have a break I, from everything. I do miss the sport uh, greatly, and hopefully, obviously, it's back in eight days. Actually, technically seven with the Yankees and, and Nationals opening things up. Uh, Jake, looking forward, so the Astros have two exhibition games, Monday and Tuesday. This is Monday night and Tuesday afternoon, not televised, but they will be on the radio, right? Correct, yeah. From my understanding, the radio guys, uh, Robert Ford and Steve Sparks, who have both been guests on this podcast, um, will be broadcasting from the booth at Minute Maid Park. Um, so that'll be interesting. That will be interesting, yes. So that's going to be McCullers Monday and then Josh James on Tuesday. And I know they're not going to be bringing the full roster up there because, you know, the pitchers who aren't going to be scheduled to throw are going to remain back in Houston. But it, it at least gives them like a, A, they'll play two actual games. And B, it'll give them some experience with, you know, traveling before they have to do so after the first six of the season. Are you surprised that no other team wanted to come to, to Houston in July 2020? <laughs> that's I, I didn't I didn't really think about it from that standpoint. But when you put it that way, that's that's probably a logical a hard sell by them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Seattle and, and, and the Dodgers will not have a choice on that front. Correct. Correct. Um yeah, I thought that they might do like Seattle comes in early and plays two games, but yeah. um, hey, Casey's kind of random, but I guess it's not too far of a flight. Yeah, not too far. I do want to mention this uh, before we close up business here. Brent Strom intrigued me by something he said this week, Jake, and I thought Brent was really interesting, the Astros pitching coach, and he, first of all, he I think he would be a really good hype man for any of his pitchers. I mean, you would think in listening to Brent Strom that like everyone from Justin Verlander on down was basically the, the reincarnation of Walter Johnson. Um, but he said something that fascinated me about his screensaver and reflecting back to game seven of the world series and a pitch Zach Greinke threw to Juan Soto. Let's take a listen. I still reflect back and I know people laugh at me about it on my screensaver on my computer is the two, one changeup that he threw to Soto. That was a strike that got called a ball in the seventh inning and I think changed the entire World Series. Otherwise, we'd be wearing World Series rings with uh, with Cole coming in in the eighth and ninth and uh, and we would have another ring. But uh, the pitch was there. Uh, it was not called a strike. Uh, human error. Computer had it as 95% strike and it's still I'm still pissed about it, to be quite frank. So I hold on to grudges. So that intrigued me because if I was Brent Strom, Jake, that would kill me to look at that on my computer screensaver all the time. Like, I don't, I mean, I think about it, but if I had to be reminded of it that often, that would drive me insane. But I guess that is the way that Brent Strom gets motivated, which is, I think, the way a lot of athletes do uh, as well. 
Uh, so that, that's the first thing. If you were Brian Strom, would you have that as your computer screensaver? I have two points here. Yes. So he we can't forget, he was at one point a pitcher himself who was pretty good and had an, a good career. And so like he is does have that player mindset and those guys are wired differently than you and I are for sure. There's a reason we're talking about it and not playing it. Um, well, there's many reasons. Um, my second point is, do you think he, you know, people conflate screensavers and backgrounds. Do you think he has it as his background or his screensaver? Oh, you're right. I, I haven't used a screensaver in like 10 years. That's a great point. I think it's got to be his background. Like, I don't think anybody talks about screensavers anymore. Yeah, that's where my weird brain goes to. No, I think um, you're right. Yeah, because I, the screensaver used to be a bigger deal, like let's say late 90s, early 2000s. Now it's all about the background. What's your background on your phone? What's the background on your computer? Right, right. So either way, it's interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, you could play that game in baseball with so many different pitches, right? Like literally every pitch in any game could change the season. And you could play that game in game seven with, you know, a few inches off the foul pole from from Howie Kendrick's home run. Right? Oh, yeah. Like it's a game of, of inches uh, like football. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I it's interesting that he's holding on to that still. And, you know, if you watch the pitch, it, I mean, it did look like a strike. That was a, a strike. Bad, yeah. And a, mean, ba- a bad frame job by Robinson Chirinos. Um, but at the same time, like that happens so many times throughout a season. Yeah. Um, you know. And I think if you if you if you ask Astros fans, they're still uh, going to think more about Garrett Cole not coming into the game or um, really where the game was lost, which is when when they had Max Scherzer on the ropes and didn't didn't catch in. I, I agree with that. I mean, I think it was a strike and obviously the, the, the magnitude of difference. I mean, that that is super high leverage there. First of all, you're up to nothing. Then you're up to one. Uh, after the Rendon home run, you know, Soto is extremely dangerous. And the difference between Granky being able to attack him 2-2 versus 3-1 is, gi- is a gigantic difference, especially given the one-run differential there. So it's a, I'm sure like if you break down like a fan graphs kind of stat, like these are super, super high leverage moments. Um, I don't, given just that it's only one run and he still needs to get two outs to get out of that inning, I'm not convinced that, hey, if the umpire calls a strike, which he should have in that spot, that they go on to win the World Series. Um, I think it was a turning point, no doubt. Probably, uh, I would say it's fair to call that a significant turning point, but it's it's not the Kendrick home run. Um, it's, like one every, those, it's one of those like things that happens. By definition, every pitch is a turning point. Yeah, right? every pitch is a turning point. And the other thing is, and because we think about from an Astros standpoint, like you look at the key moments, we look at the key moments where things went wrong because they didn't win the World Series. If you go back and you look at the ALCS and the World Series, games three, four, and five, I'm sure you can find like a couple of pitches on the edge that the Astros got, especially the relievers like James and, and Harris, like getting a couple calls against Yankees and Nationals that I'm sure they're thinking about if, in the Yankee, Yankees' case, they did lose. In the Nationals' case, if they had lost, they'd be thinking about those moments as well. Yeah, I tend to believe this stuff evens out, right, over the course of a year. Um, I maybe, think so. I'm na- maybe I'm naive to that, but... Um... I don't know. I'd actually, I'd be curious if I ever see Robinson Torinos again, if we're ever able to do interviews in person again. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll ask him what he would have called in 2-2. Um, I don't, because I don't know, like, I'd have to go back and look at the at-bat again. Like, so it was 3-1 versus 2-2. You're right. That is a huge difference. 
you know, what would they have called against Soto there? We'll never know what would have happened, obviously, but um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, grudge, as, yes. as Brent Strom put it, that he's holding on to. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a, an enjoyable, um, you know, like 15 minute zoom call he had with reporters the other day. And, and you're right. He did pretty much hype up every single pitcher on the team, <laughs> um, which, you know, you kind of take it for what it's worth, right? So if Brent um, Strom was joining us on the podcast, he would be upset about convers- uh, about our conversation, Jake, about do the Astros have enough pitching? He would not be happy with that. Probably not, no. <laughs> um, he probably thinks there's like a guy in double A who can who's the next thing, right? Probably. Uh, <laughs> or a guy trending at UH right now who can help them right now, which actually might be true. Who knows? We'll see, yeah. Um, you know I mean, no one, no one was talking about Jose Arquiti this time of or not this time of year ago, but coming into 2019. So um, you never know what a, uh, what's going to happen in a given season with who's going to develop, who's not. And there's going to be more variance than ever in this 60 game season um, just because of how short it is. Um, you know, real quick before we wrap up, I just wanted to say, if you are enjoying the podcast, um, please rate and review us on Apple. Um, tell your friends to give us a sh- give us a shot too. I, I mean, I, I get the sense just from interacting with people and talking to people that there's a lot of people who are just now tuning back into baseball. Yes, for obvious reasons, and maybe they missed the fact that the Athletic launched an Astros podcast in March. Um, so anything you can do to to help us out and spread the word, we'd appreciate it. And if you want to support the podcast in another way, um, sub- subscribe to the Athletic through our special promo that our podcast has and receive 40% off an annual subscription you can access that by going to theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks uh, Mike next week baseball's back um, next week officially. Yes. and yeah I, I don't know exactly how we're going to map out next week's two episodes but you know uh, we're getting close and Friday's the first game and we'll have a lot more to talk about and kind of get on a roll there after Months and months of talking about, um, you know, the coronavirus and labor relations. Yeah. I mean, it's um, this I have to say, like these last like 30 minutes have been really enjoyable for me to kind of get my mind completely off of it, because like especially on this podcast, you guys have heard us talk about, you know, the, you know, COVID-19, which is which is obviously still a major issue. Um, We have not done a great job to say the least as a country, and it's frustrating and it's just it's endlessly frustrating. Um, but I'm hoping things like I'm thinking at this point, knock on wood, they will start the season and I'm just looking forward to Maybe this is very selfish of me, but I'm sure a lot of people are thinking this way that watching these games will give us an escape from everything else going on. Yeah, I think so. I I think the last 30 minutes have been kind of like what we envisioned the podcast was going to be when we launched it in March. Um, so yeah, obviously we're not going to ignore what's going on, but it was nice to talk you know, some more inside baseball stuff for, for a few minutes. Uh, hope everyone out there is staying safe, wear your mask out in public, and please tune in next week when we will be back with two more episodes before opening day on Friday. 